I am currently not sure where's join, uh, mostly because um, I am using my desktop to stream, and um, I'm just experimenting with some stuff. So uh, if there's any problems with the stream, um, anybody can't hear me or anything else is going on, um, please do just uh, text me on Instagram or anywhere I can listen to, and um, we should have everything under go. Um, so, chiefly, um, I, I'll just briefly go over what this podcast um, will be about. Um, so this series is um, an attempt by me to um, basically uh, try and get more people from the East into sort of understanding what Eastern philosophy is and um, what Eastern philosophy is about, right? Um, and to do that, what I've decided is instead of giving sort of, um, you know, a boring, uh, what you might have like a lecture series or, um, something, you know, virtual online using Zoom or whatever, um, I decided that, uh, I will be conducting this as, um, more of an interesting session, um, where we take, uh, certain parts of scripture. So, um, in this case today we have the, uh, Nasidiya uh, Sukta, um, which is from the Rig Veda, and um, we're going to be discussing about what it is, um, what uh, the various elements it represents, and um, then um, basically uh, what you know the whole thing is about. So, um, if you can see on your screen, if you're on Instagram Live, uh, then you can, you should be able to see on my screen. I'll be basically going over. Um, each sentence of the Nasadiya Sukhatam first, and um, after that is where you know we'll be discussing the entire thing. Um, so Nasadiya Sukhatam uh, from the Rig Veda, it's uh, Mandala ten. So Mandala ten is basically what the tenth collection of the Rig Veda is, um, and then it's the Sukta number one hundred twenty nine. Um, so you know within the tenth Mandala there are a lot of Suktas which are hymns. So it's the 129th hymn of um, the Rig Veda. And um, what we have in this Nasadiya Sukhatam is this idea of um, an atheistic almost or an agnostic perspective. Um, and we'll see how much of that is true and how much of that has been covered up and uh, made um, you know, into a sort of a mythology in the later scriptures. Uh, that come after the Rig Veda. So, just a brief introduction to um, the Rig Veda itself. The Rig Veda is, um, you know, one of the earliest scriptures that we have. Uh, possibly dated, um, you know, written around maybe um, 1500 uh, BC when it was fully completed, or maybe 1000 BC. Uh, but then it wasn't written down until much later, maybe um, quite a bit uh, later. Um, so, um, we start with the first, um, you know, uh, verse of this poem. Um, so what do we start with? We start with, um, a similar passage that you would expect from the Bible, right? In the beginning there was, but then, you know, this is more of a, in the beginning there was not. So there was neither non-existence nor existence then. Okay, so this is talking about before creation. So, before creation, or before the existence of the universe itself, 
um, the Nasidiya Sukta is talking about how there was not um, existence or existence, right? Meaning there was what what was there was the is the question that it's asking. Um, it's not saying that there was nothing in existence. Okay, it's saying that there was nothing. There was not existence itself. Okay, it's not the fact that there were no objects that existed, um, but the fact that the idea or the 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 sat as it is in Sanskrit, uh, existence itself didn't exist there, which is a very weird thing, uh, because then one can ask various weird questions like if there was no existence. Um, can it be said that God existed because, um, you know, the idea that God exists uh, presupposes the idea of existence, right? So it's, it's, a, it's a presupposition that there is an existence, um, uh, you know, to say that there, there is a God that exists. Then it goes further to say, um, there was neither the realm of space, Akasha, or no, 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 no the sky which is beyond. Okay, so there was neither space nor sky which is beyond, meaning there was nothing there in a sense. Okay, there was no space. It's very clear that there was no space and there was no sky which is beyond. Sky which is beyond is referring to basically um, Akasha, which is, uh, you know, the blue sky that we see and then the sky that is beyond the blue sky that we see. And then um, very uh, interrogatively, it asks a question. It says, what stirred? Okay, what stirred meaning what moved? Okay, what moved there? What was there? Okay, where was it? Because there was no space. Where where would something that existed even stay, right? If um, there was nowhere for it to stay, then it asks, in whose protection or under whom that would it stay? Okay, in what would it stay? Right. There was neither death nor immortality there. So there was neither death nor immortality. This, um, you know, uh, reminds me of this very famous um, question that people like to ask uh, of the Bible, which basically goes, um, so if Adam and Eve had to eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil for them to, you know, basically die, then uh, what was the tree of life there for? And, you know, what, what, what was it immortality or what, what was there? And this is the similar idea that we get here. There was neither death nor immortality then. Okay, or no distinguishing sign of night or day. What does this mean? This means there was no sun or stars or the moon. There was nothing. Okay, so the distinguishing the sign of the night is the moon and the distinguishing sign of the day is the sun. So nothing was there. And then it goes on to say that one breathed, one capitalized. Okay, windless by its own impulse. Okay. Other than that, there was nothing beyond. So, what it's saying is within this idea that there was non-existence or existence, right? Um, there was not neither death nor immortality. There was no distinguishing sign of night or day. There was no space. There was this something. This this uh, you know likes to call the one. Okay, now what is the one? That's that's the important question we want to explore. Okay. Windless by its own impulse. What does windless mean? Windless doesn't mean that there was no air to move. Windless basically means that there was no movement. Okay? There was no movement. It was totally tranquil, serene, right? It was not moving. There was no motion, basically. Uh, if there's no motion, there's no time. Okay? Other than that, there was nothing beyond. So other than this one, there was nothing beyond. Okay? Then it says, darkness there was at first, by darkness hidden. 
so it, this is kind of confusing. So is this one the darkness, or um, is the darkness and the one synonymous? Um, you know, are, are they different? Uh, is is um, the verse talking about the one that breathes within the darkness? Oh, oh, what is it? Right, it's it's a very difficult question to answer within this uh, specific context. Um, and it was hidden by darkness. Oh, very very poetic terms. Darkness there was at first, by darkness hidden. Okay, without distinctive marks. This was all water. What does water mean? Water does not mean H two O. Okay, in this context, uh, water has a similar idea to um, to um, the water that is in the Bible. So if you've read the Bible, God moved over the waters or God's spirit was over the waters. It's basically talking about pri primordial stuff. Okay, so stuff before creation, right, uh, which, which had no distinctive marks. Okay, um, that which becoming by the void was covered okay so all of this was water and which becoming by the void was covered right that one by force of heat came into being tapa meaning heat so that one because of this thing called heat okay what what do i mean by heat okay if there was nothing existing then uh, then how does heat exist heat in this sense is a translation of the sanskrit term tapa the same way we get tapasya, which is uh, um, penance or um, form of meditation. Um, so that one by force of heat uh, came into being. Okay, so how, how did it came into being? It doesn't really answer how this came into being. All it says is by force of heat. Where did the tapasya come from? What is the one? We don't really know what this all is. Okay, who really knows, says the poem. Who here will proclaim it? Right, who really knows? I don't know. Uh, you don't know. Right, uh, nobody can really know is what um, this whole thing is trying to say. Um, and who here will proclaim it? Okay, so the, the, it's basically a challenge to um, thinkers of the time. Huh? Who, who here will tell us that, you know, there, there was this thing that existed? How will you prove it? Okay. Whence was it produced? When was it produced? How was it produced? Right. Uh, how was this one produced? It says by force of heat, but what does that mean? Right. Whence is this creation? When was this creation? You know, if, if there was no time before the creation, then when was this creation? Is there even a sense to the word when, when there is no time? Okay. Gods came afterwards. Oh, very, very um, weird uh, to see in any religious text. The gods came afterwards, okay, with the creation of this universe. So gods are latter to creation. Gods, gods are post-creation. They don't, you know, precede creation. It's not pre-creation, right? Um, so that's what we have, okay? The gods came afterwards, Right, with the creation of this universe. And then the poet asks, who then knows whence it has arisen? Okay. So, if the gods themselves are the ones that, that are coming afterwards, then who will know where it actually comes from? Okay. How will we humans who, who were just here maybe, you know, 20, 30, 40, 80 years ago, how will we ever figure out how universe was created? Okay. Then it says, whether God's will created it or whether he was mute. Okay, so it's a, it's presupposing this idea that there's a God, okay? 
And if there was a God whose will created it, you know, I create as I speak, right? Abracadabra. Um, whether God's will created it, whether he willed it into existence, right? So this is kind of a monotheistic um, idea or, um, you know, an idea that uh, God creates the universe or whether he was mute or whether God did not create it, whether he was mute, he didn't do anything. Okay? Whether, you know, God God just didn't create the universe, he was just mute, he didn't do anything. In the, and then it says, perhaps it formed itself. Oh, I like this one, um, being being a kind of a materialist atheist myself. Um, so perhaps it formed itself. Maybe the universe formed itself. Right. Who is to say that the universe can't form itself? We have not seen anything form itself within the universe. But who is to say that um, the universe itself has to follow any of these rules? Okay. Or perhaps it did not. Perhaps it did not form itself and somebody else created it. Okay. Uh, we have no answer. We have no idea. Then the, my favorite final two lines of this uh, Nasadiya Sukta from the Rig Veda goes, Only he who is its overseer, who is what's overseer, the universe's overseer, in the highest heaven knows. So um, the, the, the poem is saying, you know, only the guy who is in the highest heaven, you know, God himself, um, you know, the, the greatest being to ever exist, um, only he knows, right? And then the final favorite verse, or perhaps he does not know. Only he knows, or perhaps he does not know. So even the highest being that existed in his, you know, in the universe, God Himself, perhaps he does not know. Okay. So let's let's uh, extrapolate some of this um, further. Okay. Um, so within. Um, Atheistic circles, especially what are called Hindu atheists. Now, this might be a shock to some, uh, but Hindu atheist is an actual term that is used. Uh, what does Hindu atheist mean? It means that uh, you deny the existence of um, a, a god as a final entity. Okay, but you do believe in um, stuff like Hindu ethics. You believe in um, some of the mythological stories, uh, but then there was no creator. Okay. That's what Hindu atheism is. So, you know, um, so according to them, right, uh, this piece that was, uh, we don't know the author to. Many times we know the authors to the hymns in the Rig Vedas. You know, we have um, Agniras as, uh, um, you know, poet. We have uh, Vishishta as a poet. We have many other rishis, um, the Sapta rishis, especially as the poets of the Rig Veda. But we don't really know who, um, who composed this particular um, verse. Okay, the verse is in something called the Trishtub meter. So the Trishtub meter is a particular um, meter, right, or poetical meter, um, which you use to um, write um, poetry in, especially Sanskrit poetry. Okay, um, so this is written in Trishtub meter, right? Uh, there are many other meters you might have heard of. Gayatri is one of them. Gayatri is one of a, a, a meter that um, you use in poetry, which the Gayatri mantra, the famous mantra, is written in. Um, so, uh, we don't know the author, okay? So, what, what do um, the non-traditionalists say? So, the non-traditionalists are basically people who believe, uh, you know, do not accept the traditional um, uh, answer to who composed these. Uh, um, and uh, the traditional answer is obviously one of the seven rishis did. We don't really know who exactly. 
Um, so um, the non-traditionalists would say that the, the Vedic times were times where uh, there was a bunch of people, okay, the Indo-Europeans as they're called, or the Indo-Aryans, um, who came from somewhere in the West, uh, somewhere beyond Persia, uh, people say towards the steppes of Ukraine, uh, northern Anatolia. Um, so these people, they came, apparently, uh, in their horses, this is the view that I subscribe to as well. Um, and what they did was uh, they brought with them their religion and, um, and their poetry. Um, and these uh, Europeans, Indo-Europeans, uh, formed um, cults, basically. And each cult or each family had its own uh, set of poetry. And, you know, this particular family that composed this um, was very open-minded, let's say. Um and uh, inquisitive, um, but the question then uh, comes: How does how do we make sense of this in uh, the the theistic sense? Because um, theistically, um, you know, whether you read the Purans, whether you read the Bhagavad Gita, whether you read any other scripture that came after the Vedas, um, you get this idea that uh, you know Vedas are the ultimate truth. It's written everywhere. They come from Brahma's mouth. Um, it is the ultimate source of knowledge, right? Uh, it is what uh, the Purusha was taught. Um, and it is what caused the Purusha to, to evolve. It's the natural laws uh, that everything functions by. Um, so how do we fit this into a the theistical model? Okay. So the way the, the Purans uh, and the Gita and the others, um, they, uh, they fit this into uh, a theistic model is by doing the following, okay? So, um, what later on comes to develop from the ideas in the Vedas, right? Um, and which is expounded a lot in later scripture called the Upanishads, um, is the idea of a Brahman, okay? So, what is a Brahman? Brahman means, um, basically, it is everything okay and everything that is not okay um what what do i mean by everything and everything that is not so brahman you can basically take as the ultimate reality of the of the universe and everything that's beyond the universe okay uh the brahman sometimes called the paramatman or the super soul is something that um includes creation and is sans creation and it's beyond creation um, so th there is this this entity called the Brahman. Okay, uh, we, you know it is existence itself. Tatvam asi. That is this. You know, um, or um, you know the the essence of existence itself is Brahman. Okay, so this that one that is referred to in this in this poem. Okay, um, that one breathes windless by its own impulse. Okay. Other than that, there was nothing beyond. That one is, according to later scripture, the Vedas, uh, the Upanishads, etc., etc., um, is Brahman. Okay. So there, there's this entity called the Brahman, the ultimate reality. Okay. Um, and uh, it is completely still. Okay. And you'll see this idea of distinctive marks appearing uh, later and later. Um, compared to a cloudless sky. A cloudless sky has no distinctive marks. Okay. Um, now you also see this other other idea, this very uh, famous Upanishadic idea that develops in um, 
the uh, you know Upanishads and later traditions, this idea that this being is without distinctive marks. What does that mean? Uh, it means you can't point towards anything and say the Brahman or that one is anything like this. Okay, what do I mean by that? You can't say that the Brahman is good. Okay, because that's a mark. You can say that mankind is good or mankind is bad or this table is good or this table is bad. But you can't say Brahman is good because there's nothing else to compare it with that makes it good. Okay, you can't say it is evil either. Um, you can't say it is white, it is black. Um, you can't say it is, um, you know, existent. You can't say it is non-existent. It is basically without distinctive marks. And how the, the way that you would refer to this is by using the negative. Okay. And this is a very famous uh, tactic used within um, uh, Hinduism, especially, is the idea of negative uh, description. What does that mean? That means you describe something by describing all the things that it is not. Okay. So Brahman is not my laptop. Okay. Okay. Just my laptop is what it means. When I say Brahman is not my laptop, my laptop still is part of Brahman, but it is not my just my laptop. Um, it is not me, it is not you, it doesn't do anything, it doesn't not do anything, okay? It is not good, it is not bad, it is not, um, you know, you can't really point to anything and say, you know, this is, uh, this is Brahman, and you know, yeah, this is what uh, constitutes Brahman, because um, Brahman is something that is beyond um, consecutive addition. So what does that mean? I can't take all the stuff in the universe, add it together, and then say that is Brahman. Okay, because that is not Brahman. Um, but Brahman actually exists through and throughout everything that exists in the universe. So that in later scripture is called that one. Okay, some people like to interpret this as meaning the void. Okay, Shunya, the void, nothingness, um, which, you know, was there. Uh, and nothingness came, you know, what, what was it, right? Well, who really knows? Who will proclaim it, right? Who will, will say that, no, it's Brahman, or who will say that it's uh, it's voidness? Um, so, uh, th that's what it means when the poem talks about that one breathed windless by its own impulse, according to later scripture. Okay? Um, now it says, uh, that which becoming by the void was covered. Oh, the void was covered by that, okay, that thing that became. Okay, so now, now it's trying to draw a distinction between the void and it. The void is the absence of uh, everything. Okay, um, so the void was covered by that one, okay, which had no distinctive marks, and it says that this was water. Okay, uh, this will come into later um, Hindu tradition, where what you have is you have. Um, Narayana or Vishnu who lays on the waters. Okay, we might have heard of this. The cosmic ocean, right? Pradhana, as it is called, um, which existed. Primordial matter. Um, primordial matter is of you know many types. There's the unmanifested primordial, and then there's the primordial that matter that is manifested. Um, so this is what the unmanifested pradhana is. Okay, through which it you know through the force of heat tapa. Uh, it comes into being. Okay. Now, this idea of tapa or heat coming, making things come into being, um, comes into later scripture as being part of the three gunas. 
okay three gunas being the sattva guna the raja guna and the tama guna um so the heat uh, later on right in scripture becomes what is the raja guna or the guna of passion right or the guna of motion so by the force of this guna right uh, raja guna which means passion or movement uh you know that one came into being now where does this passion come from um you know it it comes from the beings um own free will um whether it was god's will that created it it says the poem so it it lays down the possibility that there was a will involved okay while also laying down the possibility that there was no will involved okay um so these two sentences where it says who really knows who will who will proclaim it when was this produced when was this creation what it's basically talking about is this idea that anybody who is within creation can really not answer what what is existent out of creation okay what existed sans creation okay and uh, this important part has been captured by many many people uh, western people uh, eastern people everywhere is being proof that uh, there is some agnosticism within the idea of hindu philosophy um and that this um agnosticism the idea of questioning is at at the core of philosophy itself and any anybody that claims to say you know i know is um is actually just telling you a lie um what does the poet say when he says the gods came afterwards with the creation of the universe okay um so now there are two views uh with this okay one is that god's refers to um the ultimate being the one you know god that we all think of the biblical sort of idea of god um where god is this huge entity that lives uh sans creation um and uh, you know with through his will he's is looking after creation he's looking at creation and all that um and uh, another view is that gods refers to the actual vedic gods now what are vedic gods so vedic gods are most of the time vedic gods are um gods that look after creation okay so this would include stuff like indra indra um comes you know after creation indra the god of thunder you can't have you know the god of thunder without thunder you can't have it without creation uh, you can't have fire agni without creation um and uh, you know you can't have varun the guy who looks after um the existence um or the rhythm which is the um the law that holds the universe together you can't have him without creation you can't have vach speech without creation you can't have all of these things without creation so ma- uh, many others um you know mostly theistic schools will say that these this gods came afterwards with the creation of this universe actually refers to the vedic gods the gods of creation itself so this would include rudra indra agni um all of these various other vedic deities they came after creation it's not the ultimate god it's not talking about narayana or shiva or brahman or you know uh any other theistic um um idea that you can put in uh to um this idea of god okay so then um you know the question is obviously you know if the gods came after creation then you know <laughs> how can how can we tell okay and uh, whether god's will created it or whether he was mute 
Okay, did God create it or, you know, did he not create it? Okay, was God involved within creation or was God not involved in creation? Okay, perhaps it formed itself. Okay, so, you know, you get kind of a materialistic, you know, um, maybe even a cyclical form of view where the universe creates itself and destroys itself, you know, um, cyclically. And that's just what it does. Uh, you, you don't need a God. Um, in this sense, the God is, would be, you know, something like the universe itself. Um, and, uh, you know, that's um, what, uh, you know, it's, it's talking about. And it's, it's open to the idea that, you know, it formed itself. Or maybe it did not form itself. And maybe there was a God uh, that created all of this. Okay. Only he who is its overseer in the highest heaven knows. Who is the, who lives in the highest heaven in almost all religions? Okay, the person who lives in the highest heavens, right, is God. Okay, G-O-D, capital G-O-D, God, right. Um, so, it's saying, you know, only he who is in the overseer in the highest heaven, only God knows. Okay, we don't know, we can't know. Okay, who here will proclaim it. Um, and uh, then it says, or perhaps he does not know. Okay, so how do you fit this theistically? How do you, um, you know, fit this into the theistic point of view? Um, so first, what you have to understand is in later scripture, right? Uh, the Purans, especially, um, you know, other other um, Dharma Shastras. Uh, what happens is you get the idea that there was a creator who um, was himself, uh, you know, he he came into existence from. Uh, this this primordial that one the brahma right um it says uh, that this creator of the material universe right whatever we see now is actually this deity called brahma okay and he is the overseer of this universe in the highest heaven okay only he knows or he does not know what does this mean this means that um the idea of existence or creation itself right um is not actually um part of you know the material creation that we see the creation the existence of existence the creation of the fact that things can exist okay existence itself is not something that something uh you know that is created can know or that creates stuff that you know uh, already exists now um so uh brahma is there and he's the overseer in the highest heaven. And per perhaps he knows or perhaps he does not know. And this part you see in later scripture with the fact that um, Vishnu or Narayana in many cases, uh, as he is referred to, is um, is the Brahma. Brahma, right. So he is the, uh, the stuff that exists, the ultimate reality and all the stuff that does not exist. He is the potentiality of existence, if you will. Um, so he's the potential for something to exist, okay, which has no distinctive marks, okay, um, who is still, who is, you know, he's like the cloudless sky, you can't find a distinguishing sign in him, uh, he does not exist and he does not not exist because you can't say that existence exists, okay, that's the crucial point of all of this, right. Brahman is existence itself. It is not something that exists, right? Um, and that is referred to in later scriptures as being Vishnu or Narayana, okay? Um, and what happens is uh, Vishnu is there, 
he's still and then what happens is through the force of heat or Vishnu's own free will right uh, his Aishwarya guna Aishwarya meaning will uh, what happens is you know he causes existence to emerge and how does that happen he firstly makes himself more um, distinctive okay um, sort of like if you take uh, mud water right so if you take a, a jar full of mud and then you swirl the mud around it um, you will see that the water is dirty okay um, but you won't you know if your water is you know you know mixed up correctly uh, with the dirt then you won't be able to identify each individual dirt particle but you'll see that the water itself is brown in color something like that uh, Vishnu itself is um, this dirt water uh, that is you know mixed in very well uh, or you know or uh, sugar okay um, water okay uh, juice that you extract from a sugar cane so if you extract juice from a sugar cane it's usually um, transparent uh, or translucent and you won't be able to identify individual sugar particles but what happens is God himself starts to condense what does this condensation um, mean it means he starts becoming more manifest okay so how does that work imagine you have sugar water and um, you know you you are trying to turn it into um, into molasses okay um, so you let the sugar water condense and the sugar water itself right through its own you know essence uh, if you will starts separating the thicker sugar layers from the you know uh, thinner uh, water layers okay and then you get this heavy layer of uh, sugar water like molasses at the bottom and then you get clear uh, transparent juice at the top um, Sort of like how your blood has plasma and red blood cells within it, but then you know if you if you spin it really fast, you get plasma separated. So he starts becoming more and more manifest. Okay, and with manifestation, he takes on the form of Narayana. And then what happens is a lotus emerges from his belly, from Narayana's belly, a lotus emerges, and um, because of um, this. Uh, uh, lotus right we get the creator of the material universe which is brahma right so brahma then exists and brahma you you know using something that um that is called the primordial matter the pradhana that is present within this idea of a cosmic egg okay this idea that the universe was once one okay this this sphere um he breaks the cosmic egg right um either Brahma breaks it or some other god breaks it or uh, and then using that Pradhana itself and using the manifested form of the Pradhana uh, Brahma creates the universe but um, that that's just the theistic um, overlap you know or an overlay within this the true essence of this scripture I feel is within the idea that we can't know there was there is this strong idea that we can't know and we don't know okay and we can't proclaim that this was this and this wasn't this and this sort of agnosticism this this bravery of whoever composed this poem long long time ago even though the 10th mandala is supposed to be the most recent mandala uh, the latest mandala that was added to the rig theory, um 
this this bravery of this guy to see, look at existence, look at the universe, look at all this mystery and be brave enough to say, you know what, I, I might not know, you know, even God might not know, okay, uh, whether where existence comes from. I think that is the true essence of um, the scripture. And that, I think, has to be the true essence of Eastern philosophy as well. It's more interrogative than, uh, you know, than uh, something, you know, a commanding uh, form of um, philosophy where, you know, A is B and B is C, um, then A is C. Uh, it's more questioning, it's more open, and I think that's the one, you know, as essential aspect that's being lost uh, nowadays within um, Eastern philosophical movements with regards to religion, with regards to how we are moving along with, you know, the fact that we know and they don't know and um, that they are ignorant and we are not ignorant. Um, I think, you know, this Rishi, whoever composed this a uh, long time back, um, they have captured the true essence is that, you know, nobody really knows. Um, it might have been produced, it might have been not. And uh, I think that sort of interrogativeness is what we want to, um, we should at least um, push forward within um, philosophical discussions uh, in uh, in you know the East uh, and um, be open-minded and uh, you know see what happens after we die. I guess um, so. Yeah, that was the Nastya Sukhtam from the Rig Veda. Right, finally, I'll go, just go over the poem one last time. Okay. There was neither non-existence nor existence then, neither the realm of space nor the sky which is beyond. What stirred? Where? In whose protection? There was neither death nor immortality then, no distinguishing sign of night nor day. That one breathed windless by its own impulse. Other than that, there was nothing beyond. Darkness there was at first, by darkness hidden, without distinctive marks, this all was water. That which, becoming, by the void was covered. That one, by force of heat, came into being. Who really knows? Who will proclaim it here? Whence was it produced? Whence is this creation? Gods came afterwards with the creation of this universe. Who then knows whence it has arisen? Whether God's will created it? or whether he was mute. Perhaps it formed itself, or perhaps it did not. Only he who is its overseer in the highest heaven knows? Only he knows, or perhaps he does not know. And that, uh, by saying that, i just like to end our first um, episode of uh, this discussion series uh, on, you know, specific verses from Eastern philosophy and... Um, you know, we're discussing what they might be about, how they are interpreted in modern times, um, and basically to explore what Eastern philosophy has to uh, talk about in terms of the creation of the universe, in terms of who I am as an entity. Um, join uh, me next time when we will talk about what I means, okay? Um, if there is an I, okay, if there is a self, do I exist? Or am I just, you know, a bunch of um, stuff put together um, and connected by some clue or the other? Um, is there something known as an entity? Uh, if my name is Swarup, does Swarup actually exist? If I remove Swarup's hand, is Swarup still Swarup? 
all of these questions we will explore with uh, the next uh, episode where we'll look at the very famous uh, chariot example from uh, the Milinda Panha, which is an ancient Buddhist manuscript, uh, the debate of King Manatar um, by a Buddhist, uh, you know, um, uh, monk, Nagasena, who goes to debate and answer the questions of uh, King Manatar who is the king of Bactria um, in Afghanistan under Greek rule. Um, so join us for that tomorrow, and I'll see you all later. Bye.